Imagine yourself under a starry sky around the warm glow of the sacred fire. As your hosts, Saren Odinson, Jim Two Snakes, and Caitlin Stormbreaker, talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Welcome to a show inspired by those late-night conversations by real-life spiritual practitioners. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire? A mirthful tongue and mirthful lips, a widely broken smile. Scarlet, hail to you, O Loki, stay a while. Hail to you, O Holy One, from the Jotunheim's on shore. From the fiery depths, you have come with us once more. Hail to you, O Holy One. Hail to you, O Bliss. Hail to you, O Horrid One. You shakes this. Holy One who shakes the world, whose scream echoes and yet your laughter rings within each one's heart. Hail to you, O Holy One, flame and web and weft. You who has entrapped us within your holy net. The buzzing fly, the flying bird, the unquiet thought. Hail to you, O Holy One. Hail to you. Hail to you. Hail, Loki Laufeson. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. You're listening to episode number 43. I am Jim Two Snakes, joined by Saren Thodensen and Caitlin Stormbreaker. All of us from quarantine land. No. <laughs> well, actually, today would have been uh, mine and Matt's final day of quarantine. <gasps> um, but Ford decided that it's probably within their employees' best interest to remain closed down until further notice. They are, however, the automakers and actually a lot of salvage yards are coming together to make ventilators. Oh, yes. For um and ford ford has rossenville plant and i think flat rock getting in on it um but a lot of the salvage yards are starting to donate the pieces to create them too so it's not just the big automakers that are doing it it's the little mom and pop shops that are stepping up to the plate and saying we have i'm gonna i'm gonna make a joke here that i know caitlin will understand i'm not sure about anybody else it all depends on if you've ever had to wrench on your own vehicles or not but the masks made by ford i'm assuming they'll be standard on one side metric on the other ear (laughs) is that yeah with like 12 (laughs) sizes of bolts in between god exactly they never yeah, they never think about there, how the say. part is taken apart. They only care about how it's put together. But yes, how are you doing, Mister? I keep volunteering or getting volunteered for hotel work. Hotel work <laughs> or hotel? <laughs> yeah, what do you? What do you? Yeah, hospital. <laughs> that's a. That's <laughs> what I meant. Hotel, <laughs> hotel would be nice. Actually, Tim, about that new nightlife you have going on. Tell me more about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Staying at the COVID. Uh, 
COVID hotel. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and and the other voice for everybody else that uh, is tuning in, it's uh, Nicole from Living Roots Creations with us again tonight to answer lots of questions about Loki. And uh, we are anticipating at least one to three rants. Um, maybe <laughs> oh, we you're start an, nice. We could start an over-under pool in the chat room. <laughs> So how are you, Nicole? I'm hanging in there. Um, I think we're in, I kind of we're in day 16 of quarantine with my son's school being closed. So mm-hmm. um, we discovered it takes three and a half introverted adults to raise a one extroverted five-year-old. So you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're slightly outnumbered. Um, you but figured I'm out the ratio. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's like conservatively, but I'm trying to be modest. <laughs> so here we are. We're, we're hanging in there. Nice. Nice. Well... We're, I know Sarah had asked you back to answer some questions and uh, to get some more input on Loki. And we also had a lot of really cool questions in the Discord chat. So do you want to get started with those? or we want? Is there something else that you want to talk about? We can start with him. I mean, that was kind of the idea. So we can launch off there. All right. That's good to me. Happy Loki's Day, everyone. Happy Loki's Day. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, every day is Loki's Day. I was going to say, is it really? <laughs> so, so really funny story regarding this day. So this is um so I uh I moved out of my folks' house when I was sixteen and went down with the pagan family and I was warned extensively that Loki was bad people. He should never, if you were a good pagan, become involved with him. And so my grand idea being sixteen and stupid was to take a cup of coffee to my adopted mom's altar and ask, say, here, will you take some please leave me alone? And we saw how well that worked. So, <laughs> I, I, mean, I may recommend it, but you know, if you're in for the ride on the other side of it, so <laughs> yeah, for this will actually hit the airwaves for a few days. So, we're actually recording this on April 1st. So, I always kind of wonder though, because I don't know, I, I personally kind of despise April Fool's Day. I have to be honest with yeah. you, um, it, it's one of my least favorite things, and like. I can't even really see Loki enjoying it because everybody knows the crap's coming today. Right. And a lot of people, I think, just get mean-hearted and ridiculous about it versus being like, right. actually like clever and fun. And so it's, you know, it just it depends. It's actually, it's actually part of the reason why I've started dedicating this day to Loki. And instead of um, going all in on the trickery or the silver-tongued-ness, I actually draw back. And I let it go and I do like a fun creative activity or I do something that is not my norm and just kind of go outside of the box in dedication to him. So it's not necessarily just being a trickster. Right. Yeah, I, I joke around a lot the rest of the year. So this today I, I dedicate <laughs> to laying in my kitchen and getting poison gripped on me. It's crazy. Angie's arms must be so tired. (laughs) (laughs) No, fuck it. We're done. Bloosh. (laughs) (laughs) It gets full and she goes, this is for the rest of the year. Well, I mean, it, I don't know. It's kind of hard. I mean, this is one of the things that comes with working with Loki is everybody kind of assumes that that's how it is. The big laughs and ha-has all the time. That's really not. No, it's not. No, it's, <laughs> it's really, really not. not. And I, I, I guess I get, so we can start ranting, right? We can start nice and early. 
I get um really frustrated and salty about that on the sense that people have um somebody asked me and I guess we'll roll around to those eventually how I felt about people's negative attitudes towards Fenrir and Jormungandr. Um and there is a part of me that I will admit, um, while I don't support trying to fight our gods' battles for them on the internet and um, coming at mythology with an inherent bias, because um, you can't really read it clearly if you're like, okay, well, I'm going to assume, because there's no, you can't have a god and a Satan. You can't, Baldur cannot be Jesus and Loki cannot be Satan because <laughs> Odin has a name that literally means evildoer. They are very morally liminal. And that doesn't work in this cosmology. And so you miss a lot coming at it with that. But um But Nicole, Valhalla's heaven. Okay, if you think you're gonna get to Valhalla by fighting with somebody on the internet, you're gonna have a really rough time on the other side. <laughs> I don't wanna go to Helheim. <laughs> Baldur's gonna be laughing at you from across the table. I just want to see Odin's face when some dude bro dies and makes a case that, like, you know, fighting flame wars on Facebook should have earned him the right to Valhalla. I just, I want to be like a fly on the wall for that yeah, dialogue. Yeah. But no, like, I don't, like, think, the, I don't the, think internet chat rooms get you in there. I don't. I really don't. I don't either. Um, I'm kind of nebulous on if you have a heart attack and die while playing, like, Doom. But, you know. <laughs> kind of nebulous on that one. I support them. <laughs> rip and tear until it's done. Well, the thing is, you have to take shots of whiskey to Odin while you're playing Doom. Panther Attack. He was a dedicated tramp state, and therefore it was a war trans to Odin, and then you're fine. But no, um, so like the thing about that is, like, the whole marbleization of a lot of Norse deities, it makes me just like eye twitch. And so, what we've had happen is a whole bunch of people, especially there's one woman who, uh, so this is the, I'm a trend. If I get too far off of a trip, tangent someone just like grab me and like reel me back into the conversation <laughs> there's so much mm-hmm. stuff you guys so um there was this time where um there were a lot of people who fell in love with tom hiddleston and forgot that he's a person who lives here on midgard who is not in fact the god loki um and that has been <laughs> shut up chance that has been an issue um, in the community for a while. I think it's calmed down extensively now on the other side of a lot of the uh, Marvel franchise. But, um, so there was this woman who was um, endorsing herself as a priest of Loki and she was um, engaging with people who said they wanted to marry him for whatever reason. And um, she was conducting those marriages through the internet, um, regardless of where the person was. Um, from her home in Florida. And the same woman decided that it would be appropriate as a um, priestess of Loki to message somebody else who wanted to marry him and insisted this person that she needed this girl to move to Florida so that she could use her... Loki wanted to use her body to teach this woman sex magic. Um, So that was a thing, which is horrifying. And... um, this same woman is now also married to Kylo Ren. And so we're just touching <laughs> demeanor just for <laughs> So where's the bubble of whiskey now, Sarah? Fuck it. <laughs> no regrets. Okay. So I... an episode, what? Like... <laughs> what? I know what the fuck? So okay. the funny thing is I, I I can't make any fun because Vader and I are eloping after the show. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's right. 
he's not only going to be your daddy, he's going to be your granddaddy. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Ew. <laughs> that ventilator sex is going to be really rough. <laughs> I didn't get him to do a spit take. I'm disappointed in myself. Um, <laughs> That's right. And so I think really hard. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. Feel the force. <laughs> <laughs> But so the problem in as a lot of people do come at it like, you know, devotion to Loki is like being around Tom Hiddleston or being around that character and romanticizing him. Or even also romanticizing the Joker as an aspect of him, which is also, I found that he finds that really upsetting, um, at least between himself and I, and um, really gross. Um, and also people just basically making out like it's just going to be a party. 24-7, and that hasn't been in the 10 years that I've been with him, what I've experienced, a lot of his work tends to be, it tends to suck. It tends to be that person who ends up in the community, like, I warn people, like, I tend, I feel like a crappy person, but I tend to come into spaces and blow up groups. Um, and it's not that I mean to, I really, really don't. But what happens <laughs> I will step in and like there's abuse happening over here in this corner. It, it, and it's instead of having to be the person that sees that happening in the dark and then has to hold the light switch on. And a lot of people don't appreciate you doing that. And it really sucks. And it's not a fun place to have to be in. But like the whole like speaking of truth thing that happens with him, it's it's presenting hard realities to people a lot. And um not I mean, I'm, you just should. And people have also said it, it's really cool to um, be like, I'm a Loki's person, and I'm gonna all sit me here and you know create trouble and start to flame more. But it's really like being on your ascension. Like I'm gonna go here. I'm not gonna start any shit today, and that is my goal. And that's not what happens because you are pressed to do things. You are put in a position where you are obligated by some moral responsibility to be like, hey, this shit isn't cool. And then having to defend that line, and it's it's rough. Yeah, that has been my my experience with him as well. Just and it, not necessarily to the extreme as you have felt it, because I'm not dedicated to him like you are. I have my relationship with his daughter, and that's kind of where we intermingle with each other. But there are times when I walk into a situation, and it's just my mere presence yeah. that breaks it down. I don't even have to do anything, right. and I'm just exactly. like all right, I need to dial the fucking trickster back. And Loki's like, nope, you're moving forward. This needs to be done. And We're I'm locked like, on 10. <laughs> cool. Target locked, honed, beacon pressing, go. Right, somebody hot glued my switch in place and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the end of the tape? Why can't I remove it? Right. Um, but for me, it's been a very personal journey with him too you know um doing the work with hella that i've been doing he's popped in every now and again when i've been struggling with working with shadow right and he will walk in and be like yeah this is a great way to approach it however whoop, turn around go this way walk around the corner over there and you'll see what it actually is right um tm loki's not a bad guy right just throwing that out there. Um, if you paint the face of a villain on him, he will happily play that role. Maybe not happily, but he will play that role because that's right. the role you gave him. Right. Um, so fuck you and your Tom Hiddleston loving 
asses. <laughs> right. And it's and somebody had asked me, I think, too, and again we can go grab these formally later about um people coming after me on the internet. Um and it's frustrating because trying to I have stepped back on this significantly just for my own mental health, not wanting to have a heart attack frothing in the mouth after somebody on Facebook. But um, even trying to go back and focus on the lore that paints him um, positively or paints him, like, you know, the Sexodramaticus, for example, talks about the death of Baldur as being, Baldur, Baldur, being a conflict between Baldur and Hodir over Nana. It never had anything to do with Loki, which looking at the punishment may, kind of made more sense. Um, because I don't know, I personally feel like a lot of Ragnarok really feeds into the Christian creation myth super conveniently. And so I definitely give the whole progression of that a significant amount of side eye. Also the Loka Tatur, which um, comes out of the Faroese Islands, which paints him as a folk hero. And if he was considered a villain in Norse culture exclusively, we wouldn't have stories where he's the only person, even above Odin, who could save the child in that story. Yep. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you, you've really said it. I mean, I got, I got nothing else to add there. Um, it's a really upset. upset go ahead. Good brother. I was going to say, do I think we find the same thing in other places too. I mean, um, the one that springs to mind is obviously Eris slash Discordia. Mm-hmm. And a lot of her devotees spend a lot of time with, just playing pranks and that sort of thing. But it's like, it's Eris. Her, her brother is Aries. This is war coming. <laughs> right. This is not always, woohoo, we're playing a joke day. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's the thing with, with Loki is he speaks truth to power. Um, right. He's the prototypical court jester in the Locusena. Right. He laying all the flaws of the Aesir and the Vanir that are assembled bare. And he's doing it in Aegir and Ron's hall. Right. So the balls on this god alone are amazing. Yeah. Um, and he's so if you if, for those who haven't read it, like one of the things that that the Aesir do early on is deny him entry, which is a huge friggin' you. It's a huge taboo violation. Right. He's Odin's blood brother. They're supposed to get half of everything. Right. So the fact that the, the Aesir tried to bar him, not fucking cool to right. begin with. And the fact that they treated him so poorly to start with. Now, people will frequently poke to the Locus on it and go, oh, well, what an asshole Loki's being. Yeah, because Frith was violated badly. And this is why during the course of it, um, Seif is the one that's trying to like heal Frith right. and invite him formally. Right. So... You know, when you're talking about a god who is on par in the in any of the myths with Odin, in terms of like the actual information we have still existed. Right. I mean, without Loki, you don't have Gungnir, you don't have Draupnir, you don't have the Skithblathnir, um, you don't have Mjolnir. Right. I mean, you don't have Schlepnir. Right. So the very means by which the gods are able to do half the shit they can do passes through Loki's hands. Right. And I also almost somebody, and this will make people just explode on the internet. Like, go try this. This is great. Like an Anasatru forum. Um, where if you tell people <laughs> that Loki is also Lothar um, from the creation myth, who is the yes. one who gives warmth into the blood of humanity. Um, that would make people lose their mind. But I do believe that that's, that he was there at the beginning. Um, yep. 
And it's fun to talk to people who are Odin's people because of Odin's mythos, I struggled to work with him significantly in the beginning of my practice. And because he is Loki's blood brother and all that has been given to Loki must also be given to Odin. I had to get over my stuff really, really quickly with that because I had to not violate my God's oaths. Um, so that was a thing. But I do find people who work with Odin who knew him when he was Vaughn, who knew him before he lost the eye, who get to see like the younger aspects of Odin. And it's interesting to talk about like, how their experience of like Odin's relationship to Loki is in that context. So, so I want to actually, if you don't mind, brother. No, go ahead. Um, so Mother Multiverse actually posed a really great question. So considering that Norse myth is not utterly set in stone as far as our practice going into the future, as reconstruction must have an element of invention, is Ragnarok something that might be proven averted considering the unpredicted twists and turns the religion has taken since its past virtual destruction by Christianity. Hmm. I would say that the thing about Ragnarok that makes it useful and actually kind of powerful in a heathen context is that even if you strip away everything that you can for sure identify as Christian, which is to me the end of the story, where... Um, you know, the new gods, this, that, and the other. Even that one is man, kind one of, woman. Right. So even if you take the Adam Eve narrative out of it, or if you only look at it in a mythopoetic context, <clears throat> the thing about heathen worldviews is that they're cyclical. And Ragnarok is not an end date. That's the thing, like a lot of people think of Ragnarok as an end date. It's like, no, this is this is like the end of a yuga. That, for me, is like one of the saving graces of looking at, at the myths and legends in a heathen mindset, is that these are not linear endpoints in time. They're concurrent. They occur again and again and again. That's my thought on that. I, I tend to think that, um, for me, I, I, I think Ragnarok is useful as a, as a story. Um, whether it has been or can be averted, I don't know. But I do tend to think, I've used an analogy before, that I think we're in Ragnarok right now. Like, I think that, um, you know, with all the oil pipelines, that's an analogy to the Midgard serpent circling the globe. Or it could be a reference to communication equipment or something else. I mean, there's a lot of things that I think as we look at them as uh, analogies for the destruction we're kind of piling on ourselves, I think that's where it becomes useful. And I say that knowing that, you know... Uh, Mother Multiverse is in, in the house, meaning that uh, uh, the world serpent is represented in a more positive light by someone who works with that aspect. So I don't know. It's just how I tend to look at it. I see Ragnarok as a useful story. Um, and I, I had a random thought after reading Mother Multiverse's uh, question in the chat. Um, can Ragnarok be considered the attempted conversion of the Norse followers? And are we on one side of Ragnarok? Maybe not necessarily the final, you know, Odin, Thor, and all those guys are dead and Baldur's now king, but could that have been a considerable Ragnarok for the Norse deities in a sense, you know, with the Christianity coming in to try to convert all the followers over to them and then it failing? 
Possibly. Yeah. I also think that a lot of, so I don't tend to be a mythology literalist. I tend to think that a lot of things are not meant to be read. Like, this literally happened in this way. Like, I really love, somebody had brought him up, a lot of Fenrir's um, mythos. Like, I love the idea of Tyr taking this giant wolf and raising him effectively as his dog and all the, all the fiction against the have to get an impossible chain to be made by the dwarves to bind him. And then when that happens, you know, it's Fenrir that asks Tyr for his hand and bites off his oath hand. And then when they bind him, they put a sword through his jaws and the rubber named Hope comes out of his mouth. At the end of the world, it is not Tyr that Fenrir comes for, it's Odin. Um, and I think a lot of the symbolism in his story is huge. And I tend to think a lot of the things that were written that we've recorded tend to be really rich in that same narrative and reading them literally maybe isn't super useful or helpful, but to each their own, I suppose. No, that's a really good point because Othin is the Gothi. He bears responsibility. Right. So I, I, I like that you're, you're picking that part out because he's the tear is literally following orders at that point. Orders that I, I interpret him as not really wanting to, to follow because no, he loves this right this animal, this right. being. Like, like a man loves his dog, and that's my gnosis too, as I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, and then the resentment and the hatred that Frenner sat and bred in his containment for all that time was not toward Tyr, that it was toward Odin. And mm-hmm. so that's why he comes for him at the end, not for not for the person who actually tied him up. Right. Well, and I think part of that too is because Tyr kept his word. <laughs> Right. To Fenris, you know, it's, he told him, you can take my hand if you feel, if you have been tricked. Mm-hmm. And he didn't try to trick him to get his hand out of it and save his own ass. Right. He let Fenris take it. Right. And I think that is also part of why he went after Odin instead of Tyr. Right. Um, actually, well, let's go ahead and that kind of leads into the first official question from the Discord was mm-hmm. along those lines. As the devotee of Loki, how do you view the general reception towards his two most infamous children, Dormander and Fenrir? They are despised even more so than Loki is in the heathen community, though there is greater acceptance of Loki. So I kind of, I had mentioned this in the checks. I that was the questions were for uh, the podcast, not to be answered. <laughs> My bad. But um, so I kind of, I, I have a hint of relief when people are scared or apprehensive about working with a lot of the Jotun Argons, um, because they are chaotic and scary. These are spirits that are literally forces of nature. Um, and so honestly, I would rather people be, Given the option, um, and this may sound terrible, be resentful and apprehensive towards them and treat them like they are marble toys because they are also dangerous. Um, like Fenrir, my experiences with him, even though I would be his friend, he still is the wolf that eats everything. And that is his nature. Just as though fire and I are old friends, it's still fire's nature to consume and left alone by its own devices, fire will still eat my house. Um, so they are not like things to be like casual and flippant with. Um, but my, I, I have lost the spirit and interest to get into elaborate flame wars on the internet. Um, I mean, people, I have long since decided that people are going to, the people who are meant to go to them are going to go to them in their own time and in their own way. And, um, it's not really my place to sit here. I have not found Fen- Gondor or Fenrir to be, um, upset about people who don't want to view them as deified or as, um, worthy of veneration. So I just leave everybody to each their own, and it's not really a battle that I choose to get involved in. 
Ah, uh, the age of wisdom kick in eventually. <laughs> <laughs> when does that happen again? <laughs> I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> the wrong topic on the wrong day, I will choose somebody's face off on the internet, but I kind of keep a few and far between. I lost track, Mother Multiverse. I don't know. <laughs> I think we're just at two. We haven't well, quite hit three yet. We have to get like. <laughs> All right. So, uh, question number two then. What can you tell us about Loki that isn't common knowledge? Oh, goodness. Um, so if you haven't read the Locatator, go do it. Um, that's a story about basically, to give the quick TLDR version, this man loses a bet with a giant and has to exchange his son for it. And they call upon three gods, last of which being Loki, and even Odin was unable to broker trickery well enough to get them out of the deal, and it's Loki that saves this man's son. Um, <laughs> so that's not, not everybody knows about that story. Um as far as personal experience goes, oh, and also Saxo Grammaticus, if you haven't read that, there is another retelling of the death of Balder that does not involve him at all. So not everything is as simple. And also, he is not Odin's son. <laughs> like, <laughs> please don't base your Sandy Norse mythos off of the Marvel Universe. But um, this is a complicated question because I... So common knowledge with him as a used term, as a loose term, because, like, do you mean like myths that aren't commonly told or do you mean things that aren't him being turned into a Marvel character? Because <laughs> I, I actually, I think if I had a guess, I think Finn is actually possibly looking for maybe a little bit of something you picked up from UPG. Yeah. So my experience with him is, um, so I don't tend to get, I tend to get him as what's been referred to by a lot of people as a breaker of worlds aspect. Um, all the times, um, I, I often do get like cuddly and devoted, like nice Loki, um, and a father figure, um, you know, and his concern for children. He is in my experience, like really big on kids. Um, like he's very protective and concerned about like their well-being. Um, I also have found out that, um, there's sometimes there are things you can't take to certain gods. So, like, when I had a miscarriage before I had my son, he couldn't support me, like, at all. Not that he was, like, crass or mean about it, but he just doesn't do well with situations of child violence. Um, and also, I tend to, um, I have struggled a lot with working with him on the other side of that. There's more breaker of world self, and that's, that's basically the Loki who, um, his anger toward the Aesir um, has it's been retold by certain people in the Northern tradition that it had to be that his anger and hatred of the Aesir had to over had to overpower his love for his son before his bindings would break and he would go off to begin Ragnarok. And so I often get like the parts of him that is like, well, this is the time just to let everything burn. And um, the parts of myself that have been able to relate to that and how uncomfortable that is. Um, and to, he is, if you haven't picked up from his lore, um, the mad god. A lot of the people who honor him tend to struggle with mental health. You know, I struggle with health, PTSD, and depression. And so it's a thing that you commonly see a lot. Um, and you will see, um, the parts of him will be revealed to you that he is, he might up-present human, but he will remind you that he is not, um, I experienced, um, I think my first intense experience of a holy terror with him, which is kind of an overpowering, overwhelming sense of awe, if I had to give it um, another way of understanding it. 
where it just you, you become aware in that moment that he is not um he is not human he is not like us he is something older and timeless and cosmic and that there's that you know underneath that mask that he wears to be presentable and fun there's so much more underneath of him I definitely vibe with that from my own corner, not only from my experience with Loki, but mm -hmm. also very much my experience with Odin. Um, there's a point at which sometimes our gods will let us see just a little bit under the mask, not so much that we burn the cinders, but so that the human face that they put up so we can actually relate to them falls away and you are standing in the presence and the only thing you can do is fall to your knees. <laughs> All right. Like what you're saying is oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit <laughs> or not a damn thing because you can't. Yeah. I mean there there have been times where I've encountered Loki and the only thing I can do is kneel or genuflect because what else what can I say to right. the ma majesty that Loki is showing me? Right. Like, what so can I? Would say? you say that? Um, I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, because obviously. Loki has a lot of chaos and, and stuff that can be associated with him, but that does not automatically mean that your life is going to go to hell. If you start working with, Oh him. my God. Because, yeah. right. Because, because <laughs> in my experience, you know, I have a fairly stable life by and large and right. it was a force that precipitated change when I started adding Loki to my, my practice at all. Right. But it wasn't like the roof is on fire. What are we doing? <laughs> Immediately, like ramp number three is coming in. <laughs> Brace yourself. Oh, um, so that's a really loaded topic because I I have gotten into flame wars over the internet or arguments, shall we say? Not really flame wars. Um, over the internet about that. And so this is where I'm going to sound really mean and judgmental. Okay. And so I'm going to try super hard. <laughs> um. It sounds try super hard to say this with compassion. Um, if I don't, I'm not saying this to be awful to anybody. So what I have found, um, and I will leave this with my own personal experiences about this, is um, he is really good at pulling away um, things that no longer serve us. He is, so what is Loki the god of? And I don't say chaos or fire. I say he is the trickster god of the North Pantheon. He is not Elegua, or he is not Coyote, and he is not a Nazi, but he serves a similar role in that cosmology. And so these are guys, you know, a lot of people dislike them because they do difficult things. Like Elegua tricking, tricking God into only talking to him and not everybody else was not necessarily a nice thing to do, but it was smart. Um, and so <laughs> you have this recurring like theme with these types of um, deities. And he, when he comes into somebody's life, it was my experience, and the people have also said this, is that if there are things that are hindering you or no longer serving you, prepare to have those challenged. Um, I know that when I started, when I agreed to work with him, so he he is really devious, and I said that lovingly. Um, you know, but <laughs> so the history of Loki, for anybody who doesn't know the story, I think it's worth telling in this space. Um, so I had decided, so I used to be comedic orthodox, like way back in the day. I feel like this is like a gateway drug religion at this point. So you can't this, mm -hmm. this is dying. So you go, I know her now, like Asatru or the tradition ended up being coming from Medic Orthodox for some reason. Um, and so I belonged to Bass and I was happy there. And I had no interest in having anything to do 
with the Norse Pantheon. And I have a friend who um, her relationship with him is a parental relationship and we, she want, need really need, she's having a really rough time. And she asked to have an evocationary ritual done to um, talk to him in person. And so I was in the room when this was done. And when he was called into the Bethel's body, um, he and I made eye contact. And it was, for the lack of better words, like shrapnel being pulled toward a magnet across the table. And I was just like, well, fuck. Um, (laughs) 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 And so then from there, you know, it was like this like flirty relationship where he was like, you know, well, you and I have a report going on. We need to do something about that. And so, um, you know, at some point he had asked me if I would serve him and me being stupid, a great just about talking to Bass and um, kind of just like switched teams at that point over to working with him. And everything was fun and everything was like all games and joy until I made that agreement. That's when all the shit hit the fan. But the shit that hit the fans is also going to be true for anybody who has this problem is that they were things that I did badly that created the situation. Um, you know, I had like a lot of financial issues that were going on. I had a lot of things that I was doing poorly. And the instant that I agreed to work with him, all that switched the fire. But it wasn't because he was trying to be cruel and mean to me because if he hadn't stepped in and made me aware of how much of a problem that really was, at the time that he did, it would have been much worse later on. That doesn't mean that like anybody deserves to have their life turned upside down or anybody deserves to have bad things happen to them. But it's also really good if you're like, well, he comes in and destroys your nurse's people's lives to like have some accounting about it. Like one that really frustrated me was somebody saying, you know, well, I have a friend that serves Loki and um, they named their cat after him. And that cat almost knocked their hair dryer into the bathtub. And I'm like, okay, so this is the thing. It's <laughs> really gently. If you leave an electric appliance on the edge of your tub plugged in and there's water in it, and you are also in the water. <laughs> Chances are, <laughs> Loki might be the least of your problems. Right you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm trying to be really nice. <laughs> consequences are consequences. Right, we can't set up things to go horribly wrong and then be like, oh, it's Loki's fault. My house is burning and lost six candles on and fall asleep. I mean, like, it's really, it, it, there has to be, you know, and the thing is, he will come in and he will rock people's worlds. Um, <laughs> like in the good and the bad sense, you know, and, and getting to, to do work for him. If you enter into that agreement, do not go into it lightly. Like he will, he has come to a lot of people is like really suave, really smooth, approaches a lot of people. It's like really funny is we've had like heterosexual people be like, I have this dream about Loki and I don't know how to feel about myself. I'm like, well, you and the rest of humanity, but good luck with that. But uh, <laughs> he's really good at approaching people sexually a lot because he wants to get underneath your skin. Um, and whatever gives him access to get to like the part of you that is receptive to what he wants you to know or what he wants you to do, he'll take that because it's it gets the job done. It works. And so if you have stuff that blows up, he the thing that really always got me, right, is because um so before I worked with Loki, I took an oath to on Morrigan um for a friend's protection a long time ago. And um, you know, I, I talked about her um, somebody, I asked people to do prayers um, 
People asked about deities, and I said, well, if you wouldn't mind me helping me do prayers for my friend's safety, the thing she's going through to this goddess, everyone's like, you can't just tell people to say her names or come into their life and they'll die or bad things will happen to them. And I'm like, who do you all think you are? Where the gods just drop everything in their itinerary to come ruin your life? Like, I <laughs> mean, Point of order, you motherfuckers are going to die anyway. Great, let's all go out having fun. But I mean, like... Might as well make it a ritual sacrifice at this point. Right. Anne Morgan is a heavy hitter, and I don't recommend taking on her service lightly either, but I have never... It has never been my impression of either on Morgan or of Loki that making a prayer on somebody's behalf done with reverence and consideration has ever been met with contempt or um, negativity. Maybe that's an overreaching and broad statement, but it's never. And I've done this for almost 20 years. I have prayed to a lot of people and a lot of gods. Um, it's never been my experience. And I've never understood the idea that you know, mentioning Loki in circle will you know, force everybody to you know, be subject to his whims which i think that he would love that idea if it were true however i don't i don't really be one hell of a party but i don't i don't rock with that at all <laughs> everyone's drunk and naked we don't know what happened <laughs> <laughs> um i actually want to touch on something that you uh briefly talked about um during that rant we'll call that a rant number three um <laughs> Loki's ability to work with people with issues around sex or sexual partners or Mm -hmm. being intimate with people, because that's one of the big things that he helped me with. Um, TM, for those of you who are easily triggered, I'm going into a moment of personal uh, abuse and trauma. So if you want to mute your your, uh, mics for, we'll say, five minutes. Um, go ahead and do that. And I apologize for it. I was raped years ago, um, before I even started on any of this path and it fucking destroyed me. It destroyed every relationship that I had. And when I started working with the gods and the deities, it was something that I had buried so deeply that I didn't even realize it was still affecting me. And it affected me well into my marriage. And I shockingly, one day I had this sudden realization and I went, oh, fuck. And so I went and I sat down in meditation and I reached out and I said, I need help with this. Who can help me? Like, I literally presented this shadow to the gods and I was like, I fucking need help. And Loki stepped forward immediately and he goes, this is what we're going to do. And that took a few like about a year year and a half maybe mm-hmm. of working with him directly to get through that have you heard other similar accounts from people who have worked with loki kind of in the same avenue and it i'm telling you we never had intercourse we never had sex mm-hmm. it wasn't anything physical on that level right um it was totally different so I also had um, a really, really abusive domestic violence and sexually violent relationship back in my late teens slash early 20s. And um, that also was a huge issue for me. It's also that he really was um, aggressive on confronting um, in like a positive way, not like pushy and forceful, but like he was really like, you know, I'm going to show you that you have the power to like own your body and not have this happen to you again. I have, I'm not teach you that you can, you don't, you can learn how to be vulnerable again without feeling like you have to um, be 
be at risk or unsafe. And there was a lot of my work with him in the beginning of our relationship, especially, which was about confronting all of my discomforts with that and all like the facades and um, other things that I put up to be comfortable with intimacy. And um, I mean, it was difficult because I also, because, you know, bad relationship is cyclical, apparently. I ended up like in a really abusive marriage that I got out of a few years ago. And um, he and I do have an intimate relationship. I've been married to him for almost 10 years now. And um, I was like completely unable to be responsive to him in an intimate way. And it was surprising like how okay he was with that. Um, I have really found him to be understanding with trauma because I feel like of all the gods out there um, in the North Pantheon, especially he really gets it. Like his mythos is really, really hard. He makes hard sacrifices and has hard things happen to him. But that's like a recurring thing that I have heard is that people who have especially like sexual related trauma or just trauma in general find themselves coming to him because he is the one that understands that violation and the consequences that go along with it. Yeah. And he's really, you know, for being the jokester and the parts of him that are the prankster and are like just the having fun and being absolutely raunchy and ridiculous for no reason. The parts of him that are mad and angry, he does have that middle ground where he is tender and he can hold space on um, the people also get to see working with him in that capacity. And that's a story that I've heard over and over again. Now I, I'm hoping everybody's back listening and I'm not saying, you know, if you have dealt with, or experienced a very, very deep trauma, don't immediately go running to Loki. Um, you know, make sure you've got your basics in order because he's not going to hurt you, but he will turn your life on its head right. and you need to be able to find your grounding. Right. Sometimes on your own. Right. Um, that has been a big experience with him is when I'm working with him, it's just him. And the only other deity he allowed within my purview was his daughter, hell. Mm -hmm. And that's only because my relationship to the Norse pantheon started with her. Right. And the only reason my relationship with him started with her. Right. So, you know, if, if he is a God that, or if they are a God that you wish to, approach and work with, you know, make sure you've got some P's and Q's in order so that you know how to land on your feet. Right. And I recommend anybody who wants to work with him. Um, it's a really great idea. So when he asked me um, to marry him, back when this all got really like crazy back in the day, my first response to him was, are you fucking kidding me? which really obviously hurt his feelings. Um, but <laughs> um, and so I recommend ha if you're going to enter a relationship, even if you don't plan on becoming a God spouse, which is if you're not familiar with the term and it sounds really weird to you, this ha actually is talked about in Norse lore a little bit. Um, and also it is basically, if you have to think about it, it's a type of um, monastic um, devotional relationship. It doesn't need to be as exclusionary as make of like Christian um, monastic practice being. But it's a dedicated, like, focused relationship. Um, before you enter into, like, any really big engagements, um, you know, literal or otherwise, 
with a God, I recommend you should have at least three people, preferably who are not part of your own spiritual practice. Yes, go to your direct elders, absolutely. But a lot of people have a completely different perspective than you do. Um, and get at least three different divinations um, to confirm, yes, this is what's happening. This is not my brain weasels. This is a real legitimate thing. Um, and have a community for support because I know that when he first approached me, even though I got lots of divination confirming this was a thing, I felt really crazy. Like this was like, not like really a big thing in the community. We were going through like a lot of really intense shadow work and it was super overwhelming. So if you can have community backup, if you can have a support system in place, that will be, I should, I should, I should, if you're not going through therapy, please go to a therapist for therapy before you go to Loki. I mean, this is, you know, like, <laughs> he is super helpful, but I mean, and he's really, he can be really compassionate. He can also be like really savage. Like, well, this was just fucking stupid. You know, it's like, he doesn't mean it to be mean, but literally it was just fucking stupid. <laughs> so you will get things like that and be sure that you have the cushioning around you to be able to, um, to be able to deal with his hard truths if they're not what you want to hear, especially about um, delicate and tender things. You know, you can be, the, the truth isn't always easy. Chaotic good does not mean chaotic nice. <laughs> you are sorry. <laughs> I have to. I have to jet out on you guys for just a few minutes, so I'll have you carry on the conversation without me. But I will be right back. Um, Nicole, I do want. Uh, I'll let you guys. You can even get started on this rant, and I'll get back to you in a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually going to be for you and Sarah, and so you can you can formulate a game plan while I'm gone. So back in the day. <laughs> Back in the day when I was starting in paganism, if a person came up to you and said, I just started working with the gods, you could almost look at them and say, is it Artemis or Aphrodite? <laughs> right? <laughs> but we've now progressed to a point where in the pagan community, when someone says to me, I just started working with a god, I always have to, I, I'm at the point where I'm now, so is it Odin or Loki? <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> so but i want to know because like especially with loki um how do you guys approach the fact that it's just so popular now it's like exploded out of nowhere and in ways it's kind of hard to keep on top of so i'm curious what your thoughts are on that one but i'll be right back hold on <laughs> talk amongst yourselves <laughs> Usually when somebody tells me that they're a follower of Loki, I usually ask them to describe Loki to me. How do you interact with him? What's he like? What does he prefer you call him? What does he look like? <laughs> that usually will give me a roundabout answer of whether it's Tom Hiddleston or the red-haired one. <laughs> and then I can be like, um, Tom Hiddleston ain't your god, bitch, and walk away. Right, right. No, it's painful. It, it sucks really because, beautiful. like, when I first saw um, Thor, I really didn't like his depiction of Loki, like, at all. But, like, honestly, he actually looks a really upstanding and good human being. Like, he grew on me, like, you know, retroactively from that point on. But, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't. It's frustrating because I feel like, um, so I feel like what has happened with that, with him, and I have feelings about what Jim said, otherwise about other deities in a second. But, um, I feel like people are seeing, so I feel like a lot of Loki people are loud. Surprise, surprise. 
And um, a lot of the people are seeing the locust people be loud and um, talk about, you know, these are my experiences and what has happened to me with him. It's being like, you know, all the shadow work that was going on and like all like, you know, all these really deep, intense spiritual connections and people like want to have that. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy um, to like try to force that to be a thing. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to be on the other end of a divination saying, hey, you're not talking to who you think you're talking to. Because that's the problem is if you know. Yes. I know, right? It sucks. Um, and so that's Jesus. the problem is if you put yourself out there and you're like, well, I really want to be a devotee of Loki and I really want him to love me, like love, love me, like, you know, three circles around the do like me check yes or no box in middle school <laughs> type love. And he that's loves not. Me. He loves me not. He loves me, <laughs> he loves me not. Pulling your rose petals off. But if that's not what's meant to happen, there are tons of spirits that will graciously step up and like, yeah, I'm Loki. You know, I'll, I'll do. I'll do whatever I can for you if you give me lots of love and devotion and lots of your energy and time. I'll, I'll absolutely. And that, sure. you know, and it's, it's rough because that does happen when people like force a relationship to be a certain God or spirit and it sucks. Hmm. And I feel like there are a lot of things that have unfortunately piggybacked off of that movement. Um, and it's hard. Sure. I also see, I feel like Loki and Odin have been collecting spirit workers and there's not a lot of <laughs> There's been a lot of um, discussion about why that is, but... I think to some degree, they're gateway gods. Because there are people that I've run into who are like, yeah, Odin said I should come this way. I'm like, okay, but that doesn't mean that Odin's going to be your main squeeze or even the main god you work with. Right. Like, he might might have just been, hey, this is a name I recognize. Come talk to my family. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So... I mean, and, and Loki's been like that for some people, too. Right. So. Here's <laughs> a Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing with the thing with uh, the gods collecting people is that, to my mind, we're going through such a titanic shift. And so many people are now open to this. Right. Like people will say, oh, well, we have such an influx of spirit workers. Well, of course we do, because we have a lot of people who are eager to do the work who right. either don't know enough to fight against it because we don't have that cultural baggage or bias against spirit working, right. which is unfortunate and fortunate in the same blow. Right. We don't have the cultural taboos around spirit work that other cultures do, mm-hmm. but we also don't have the context. Right. So, of course, we're going to get people who basically looky-loo around and go, Ooh, this looks kind of like something I want to be involved in. And I guess maybe this is the God that I want to work with the most because it's the only one that I know. Right. There's been plenty enough people. Like I came, I came into this path for Bridget right. and she is another goddess who is definitely a gateway goddess. So right. I, I think that Othan and Loki both are serving. A, part of the reason you're seeing such a huge uptick in people talking about them is in part because they serve as gateway gods. Right. Well, and I think part of that is also because of the popularity of the Marvel movies. You know, they are a direct representation of actual deities. And that could be where a lot of people are getting their gateway from. You know, they hear, or even like if they're, uh, if they read American Gods or even saw the TV show, you know, that's, that's a great depiction of Odin, in my opinion. Um but it, a lot of it is through yeah. media and through 
uh, different artistic outlets that people are being drawn into the spiritual. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because Christianity has become so hollow and so empty and not all of it. I mean, I have experienced a Baptist church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, that was the most riveting and exciting Christian place I have ever been to. Right. Um, but Christianity as a whole is just empty. There's nothing there. And so people are reaching out, trying to find that thing, whatever it is, you know, and Odin, Loki tend to be the loudest ones right now. I mean, for me, it was Anubis that walked into my life when I was a teenager. He was just a little metal statue sitting on the witchy shelf store. And I was like, Ooh, where are you? Come home with me. And I, I still have him, you know? Right. Um, and I think the same was for you, Saranth. Anubis picked you up in the very beginning. He is very much a gateway god. Like, it's not yeah. just a psychopomp. He is definitely a gateway god. It's, oh. it's actually one of his epithets. It's opener of ways. So oh. do you guys ship Anubis and Bast? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't ship them. It was how they actually approached me. Was right, right. Pairing. I was like... Huh. And then I found out that that's not, it's, it's remarked in like one or two texts, but otherwise it's really obscure. And I was like, whoa, this is a thing out there? Cool. <laughs> I really envy people that have a relationship with Bass because I just, I want a relationship with her so bad, but she's just like, nope, I'm only here for your little and you need to step <laughs> the fuck off. That sucks, I'm sorry. Thank you, everybody, for allowing me to run off for a second. That is a new alarm because in the vein of of the uh, forging agreements with the gods, um, I have to now light an incense at sunset for a year. So I had to set up a whole new alarm system. So away we went. <laughs> Legit. That's really cool. That's so. a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. yeah. So, um, So the conclusion that you came to is they are the new gateway gods. Is that it that we're talking about? I wouldn't even say necessarily new. I think that, um, I think that for a lot of folks who are coming to the various paths, a lot of these gods are the ones we know from myth and legend, or from various comics or what have you, popular media. Um, which is kind of a, a double-edged sword because you have to cut away the the a lot of the illusions that popular media puts on top of these gods, but it also provides a really useful go between because you can actually translate this into something that somebody who hasn't studied the lore understands. I think that's a really good thing to ding on because like the lore is, is not meant as a religious text as far as Northern tradition goes. I mean, talk about the book of the dead. That's a whole other kettle of fish, but the Northern tradition lore that we have, none of it is meant as far as the written stuff goes, none of it is religious material. It's all poetry. It's all stuff that was saved. It's not, it's not like a Bible folks. (laughs) Like there's a reason I'm not a mythical literalist. And it's interesting because like in that whole gateway conundrum, it's really quickly easy to, um, in a brief conversation to weed out the people who have actually gone and read the lore from the people who have just watched a Marvel movie or people who have just read um, second degree sources, um, secondary sources rather from other people who have had that practice, you know, because there are, there are a lot of, there are people who work with Odin 
Um, there are a lot of um, challenging moral quandaries that can come up in his practice and even try to bring up like, well, how did you feel about this story? And how did you handle that thing that happened? And to see how the response is. So, Jim, what was the question you posed? So the original question before I left, yeah. how are you guys dealing with the, the influx of people who are, uh, you know, Odin worshippers or, or Loki worshippers? <laughs> You're up first. Essentially an explosion. Hey, it's nice to be able to throw somebody else under the fucking bus. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess in my experience where I've had people come to me, I try to meet people with compassion. Um, I acknowledge that, um, I mean, Loki isn't, isn't a popular God. I mean, it's all fun and games to name drop him in the wrong group on Facebook. Gotcha. Um, okay. And so, you know, I try to basically be like, you know, let me, you know, if they want divination, I can help with divination. Um, and do the type of stuff to help guide them. But, um, it depends again on how those people who are coming in want to have spiritual accounting done. And that's a problem that I have noticed to be an issue with a lot of the influx of the new Loki's people is this thing happened to me. It's not supported in lore. I have no interest in getting divination done to see if it was a real event. Um, and that becomes problematic because I had, as I mentioned while you were gone, one thing that is concerning to me is I listen there are um, a lot of people who are of that mindset and there are a lot of spirits who, if Loki's not interested in the relationship you want to have with him, will be like, yeah, I'll be Loki. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. I'm going to give you like, lots of prayer and offerings and energy and time. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And that can become illegal, gross, and slippery um, if people aren't mindful about their practice and their good habits. So um, and I also had mentioned uh, Sarah and Caitlin while you were gone that also they seem to be collecting spirit workers, that particular <laughs> <here> in particular. <laughs> become a bit of a, a quandary. It does seem to be true one. to a large degree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think for me, like the number one thing that, so kind of in a contrast, like my job is to not be so compassionate and just to lay shit out right. because a lot of people put a lot of bullshit on top of Odin that isn't his. Oh yeah. And so when a lot of people will come to me for spiritual discernment, it's like, Okay. First, we got to break your bullshit down. Right. <laughs> Here comes Sarah's get off my lawn moment. I mean, it really, it really is because a lot of a lot of folks will come to me like, but he's the war god. And I'm like, no, he is a war god, right? And he's right. a tactician as well, and a chieftain, and a, and a, and a. it's yeah. the same problem that I'm sure you have with people pigeonholing Loki in one role and one role owning. Right. Well, I think I see a lot more the white supremacists than I do, so that's an unfortunately difficult thing. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of those groups tend to lean more towards middle towards my side of the conundrum, so I guess yeah. <laughs> the thing with, with a lot of folks who come to Odin is that I wouldn't say that I have to be devoid of passion. I'd say that my pa my compassion has to have a place where it just stops. Because mm -hmm. if, if it's clear that yes, you're being called to service to Odin that service is going to look individual. It's not, right. you know, I'm going to go throw myself on the nearest spear and go to Valhalla. Yeah, please don't. I mean, if that's really what you're called to, please don't put that in my lap. Go to somebody else. Um, you're already over here, come on, Tim. 
Jesus, no, I'm not. No, I am specifically not an ordeal master. I am not trained in that shit. Um, the backpedal on that was yours. No, it's not a backpedal. It's an enforcement of boundaries. I am not trained for ordeal work. I am not doing that. Um, well, like, do you two ever get like, you know, the, like I said, the old man on my, on my lawn thing? Because like, you guys ever get, I had somebody tell oh, me no. the other day that oh, I got a message and, you know, younger, younger person, a little on the gothy side. I got a message from Hades and I was just like, <laughs> so typical. Those are, that's so 1981, you know, that's like <laughs> dark underworld gods. God, we've well, done that to death. Come on, let's try something new. Do you guys ever get that sort of, yeah, of, of course it has to be Odin. That's another, oh, of course it has to be Loki. That's another set of questions I got to answer. Do you, does that like wear you out sometimes? Yes. <laughs> oh, to be sure, it gets really fucking old. Yeah. Really old, having to field the same fucking set of questions again and again. Like, this is, <laughs> uh, to no small part, this is also part of why I blog. Because I can head that shit off at the pass. Right, right. Because I don't have to say anything. I can just go read this blog post. <laughs> I spent... Now, Nicole, uh, two episodes. Go listen to these episodes. <laughs> I mean, for sure. Because well, it's not just that it's frustrating. It's that... <sighs> part part of my... Fr- well, it is frustrating. But I think part bounded in that is that it's clear that a lot of people don't want to actually do the work of connecting with these gods. They want the shiny shit, but they don't want the relationship that goes with it or the obligations. I want to be a shaman, but I don't want that to inconvenience my you life. Know? right well tough shit cookie it's gonna inconvenience (laughs) your life in the worst fucking moments deal with it you want the title carry the fucking staff you don't you really don't just stop stop using that word no you know what i i don't even care anymore (laughs) like you want to be a fucking shaman sure go right ahead i'll pick you up when you're done huh (laughs) i will pick you up when i'm done and i'll tell you my rates (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when you get there just go stand over there deal with your own bullshit because i got mine enough to deal with and when you're done we're gonna start from square one no, and pull up your pants. Uh, <laughs> yeah i hate to break it to you sarah that sounds like caitlin's gonna be the ordeal master of this right? group you have at it you fucking have at it you enjoy that shit it's not mine i say that having the level i hope on that is so palpable and i appreciate that no, I I think the... go ahead I think the biggest problem that I see a lot with people influxing towards Loki are the people who um who want one dimensional gods. And that hasn't there hasn't been a new conundrum in paganism. We've seen that a lot, you know, with like the younger generations of pagan. Um for the whole light god idea, um, that gets me so full of rage. Um the idea that you <laughs> you shouldn't work with the dark gods. Now I want to know who the dark gods are and who the light gods are. Like, well, you know, like Aphrodite. I'm like, who has a name that means slayer of men? Or what about Apollo, the he who brings and cures the plague? Like, can you tell me who the light gods are, please? I only want to know like, what you're talking about because it doesn't make sense because these deities aren't one dimensional, you know, like two phase, you know, creatures that can just be on and off and certain characteristics of themselves when we need them to be. It's not. It's not how it's not how any of this works. Um, <laughs> and the, Sorry, that's not how that works. Right. There are a lot of people who want to come to Loki, and they want the party god. They want 
that aspect of him, but they don't want the grieving father. They don't want the madman. They don't want the break girl worlds. They don't want the speaker of hard truths. They don't want the hard things. They know? don't want Bullferker. They don't right. want the ordeal master. They don't want the God that will put you through hell and back to make you realize your potential right. and will shove you kicking and fucking screaming right. to make sure you get there. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But that's the truth with a lot of these new pagans is they don't want any of that. They want the big experiences. They want the enlightenment. They want the, the new age, happy love and light bullshit. Well, I'm sorry. You're not going to get that. Right. You're not gonna you will get, get love. You will get love, but it might be really fucking hard. It might be you're the, the you have that to, stands over you and says, are you going to fucking buck up? Yeah. You have to go through fucking hell in order to get to the other side. I mean, and it might be the other side of where God is like pushing your face into the ground with his boot. Right. But you're going to fucking figure it out. Right. Now, a good example of that was on Morrigan, who after I made the oath through, she comes in and out of my life because she needs work done. And, um, you know, she, her version of loving me was literally cursing me because I refused her order to leave an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the pressure that she put. She's like, okay, fine. We can also deal with this extra bullshit because you're being an idiot. <laughs> and, you know, and her, her version of love is not, you know, that gentle motherly. It's like, okay, like in her hands, you are a weapon and you're going to do the work that needs to be done. Or you're going to keep getting reforged until you're able to do the things that need to happen. Mm-hmm. And Loki's a hard taskmaster because he is speaker of hard truths, um, which is like a whole different form of being forged into like a tool for the gods because it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable a lot of the time. And people don't want to do that. So people don't want to be put in that space. And there is, and the thing is like, I want people to realize like not everybody has to be a spirit worker. Like if you want to get up in the morning or get up once a month and light a candle for a certain deity. Awesome. You don't have to be like, I'm going to go, you know, owe my life to Loki tomorrow and we're going to have righteous parties and use up all the condoms and do a whole bunch of ratchet nonsense. It's not necessary. But <laughs> this is how no, people No, react. no, no, no. I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, if that's what he's calling you to do and you want to do it, that's your choice. But that doesn't make you a spirit worker. Right. And the thing a spirit worker or a shaman is not the do-all, end-all of practice. It really isn't. Right. And the thing is, like, that kills me is people are like, well, I don't want to be a lay pagan. And I think I really have hated this um, stigmatization, like, in polarity between one or the other. And, like, the thing is, like, Goethe's in Norse culture were the head of a household. The Goethe's, the priests in the Norse culture, also had to go in ten fields. They had to run their household. They had to make bread. They had to do basic day-to-day shit. Like, you don't have to dedicate your life to living in a cave somewhere and, you know, masturbating to Odin to be able to be an effective practitioner. Like, none of this is necessary. But people take it to, like, a... <laughs> <kill Keelan>. <laughs> <laughs> Taking one eye to one eye. That's what we're doing. No. Let's play swords, Odin. Can you stab your spear, please? You're going to be calling me out. So, I guess the question is, Do is there attraction to Odin and Loki 
because they are the, the modern incarnation of that sort of dark energy because there's so much of the fluffy, fruity crap in the light workers that it kind of automatically turns everybody off to working with that kind of energy. And the light worker phenomenon is still really huge. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a lot that I could go on a tangent about, about negative, um, like positive, what's the word? Somebody help me. Um, toxic positivity culture. Oh, right, yeah. Um, no. All the stuff that goes along with that. <laughs> Someone's like, I want rant fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me see. What what question did we have left here? We had a couple, I think. I think we had a couple here. Oh, <laughs> yeah, this will guarantee rant five. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so question. Have you had people come up to you to condemn you for worshiping Loki? How did you handle it? And how can those who worship him handle those kinds of accusations? So I think that I have good enough resting bitch face. Nobody's ever done this to me like in person. Um, <laughs> which is probably in their better interest. I have found, um, as I have gotten older and wiser, that um, the people who are going to do that will often go and make an ass out of themselves without my help. And so I kind of just, like, let it happen. Um, you know, I think the last time that somebody came after me about working with Loki, it was somebody who was trained, like, all you Loki's people, you know, at the end of Ragnarok, would you fight beside the gods or would you fight beside your god, you know, who... Is unmaking all of humanity, ah! And it was really, really, <laughs> it was really ridiculous. <laughs> so then that person, I don't, because a piece of bread fell off Breyer's altar that they should go back to worshiping the Christian God, magic was okay because they said, even though it's really outlawed in the holy books. And so, you know, I was like, you know, case in point, I don't, I don't need to get at this level of crazy, and you all can just keep it. And I rest my case. I'm good. <laughs> but um. No, I don't, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I just don't do it. I don't, there are always going to be the Asatru dude bros who think that they know how to worship the gods better and that getting into a fight on Facebook because they're past of Valhalla. And I just, I don't have the points in my blood pressure to waste. Um, I'm not going to die having an aneurysm next to my computer keyboard. It's just it's <laughs> not, it's just not, it's just not worth it. And the C-Plex will just make an ass out of themselves. It's fine. Hmm. I mean that's that's something I've gotten as as a devotee of Odin even, hmm. and the thing the thing that's really fucking funny about being a devotee of Odin is they'll see the Odinson after my name and assume it's okay to shit talk Loki, <laughs> you know. And because I'm in what from the outside looks like a heterosexually normative relationship, they'll be like, "Oh yeah," and all the queers are gonna. And I'm just like, <laughs> "No, no, continue, dickhead." No, my favorite thing to do is for people who want to go after him, I tend, I, I, it's really easy to like reframe some of what they're saying as homophobia or um, even transphobia. Like, That's because it is. More about what you don't like about my gender bending queer guy. How does that corner feel? I hear it's pretty uncomfortable there this winter. And it's just really easy to back them into off of that cliff and watch them freak out in the process. Well, and the thing about it is, is like, like with Odin, like with Loki, I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, if you're going to go to Valhalla, he doesn't give a flying fuck what's between your legs. Can you die really useful on a spear or at the end of a gun? Do you want to go to Valhalla, though? I mean, like, is, like, is your How bad do you want to be cannon fodder? Basically, <laughs> it's literally what you're doing. And that was, like, the mind blow for me was, um, 
you know, all the other places that you could go. And it was really crazy right? to read about what's the story where they talk about, um, Chris, let me just brain dump all of the important Norse terms about Leviton, where they talk about Leviton mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the idea that the goddess of gold holds the key. And so the goddess of gold gets to be one of two people. It gets to be Mengloth or it gets to be Freya. And so the idea is that if Freya has the key to Cert's sword, Freya literally takes half the warrior dead, unlocks Cert's weapon, and tells everyone to fuck off and leaves. Yep. Like, the implication <laughs> of that is huge. <laughs> like, so like, so yeah. you, you can go to Recessorum near and eat, drink, and fuck and for eternity and leave and avoid Ragnarok. Or you can go to like you know you can go to Ron's Hall or a whole bunch of other places to die that aren't literally fighting and dying and, and eating and then doing it over and over again for all of eternity. The other thing yeah. to point out is that people think that they're going to be feasting in the halls of Odin alongside the other kings, and it's like no. If you actually look at the lore, mm-hmm. it's a class-based system in yep. Valhalla. Yeah. If you're not a king, you're not sitting at the king's table. No. If you started off as a groundling, you're going to be at the groundling's table. Yeah, you're going to be in a tent somewhere eating more turkey legs. <laughs> it's going to be I like Renfair with more death. Right. Every, time, more every time I think of Valhalla, I think of all my worst experiences in high school gym. Right. And <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. This is not a disparage Odin by any means, but I'm like, there's other places to go, guys, that don't suck half as bad. Yeah, I, I really kind of do need to put this out there that I, I am kind of shitting on the Brosa true. But, um, okay. like, there are some really positive, powerful aspects to Valhalla. These are the last line of defense, and they are part of why why Yggdrasil keeps going on after Cert burns the world. Like, there are there are wholly powerful aspects to Valhalla. However, the concept of Valhalla has been so tainted by Brosatru horseshit that it's really hard for me to have, even knowing, having seen Valhalla, having been invited to go walk the hall. How much did we is, want to get in on this podcast? Yeah. How, how bad well, do we want to be today? Well, Malik, Malik posted in there oh. that there are other there halls, are other halls right. that are mentioned in the lore. Are they specifically halls that are, that are mentioned going to, though? <sighs> no, but the thing about this is, is that not everything that we have is fully... It's hard, it's hard mm-hmm. to say, because like... Do, do, can people go to, for instance, the hall where Hlithskelf is? Yes, I think so. Um, if the dead can freely travel between different worlds and different sections of Asgarth, then yes, because Sesramnir is in Asgarth. Right. And Ron, Ron keeps her dead. And I believe it was said that like all the all the lovers go to Lothan. And I know that um, Frau Hall keeps unbaptized babies, and she keeps certain women because she also leads the wild hunts. Yep. And so and, there are other couples go to Freya. Right. And there are other um, other places you can go when you die. So it's it, and it's outlined in the lore. You don't have to either go to Helheim or Valhalla. Do, do we want to? Because we could we could get into like the really bad the really bad online topic right now. How 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 much crap do we want to get into in this podcast? <laughs> You're our guest. Know. <laughs> I don't want to abuse your hospitality, but I do kind of want to crack open this can of uh, no. Come let's on, go for it. let's hear it. Let's go for it. So the whole Nazis going to Valhalla thing. Do we want to uncork that? Oh, yeah. No, I will happily give my opinion on that. Okay. So, like, <laughs> the thing that kills me is these people have to understand that what honorable warfare is in the Norse culture. Like, fighting somebody on a battlefield where you will eventually pay wear guild for the damage done to all sides if they are part of, like, you know, that same culture. 
killing somebody and then being honorable in that, so going to your neighbors and saying, hey, I stabbed so-and-so in the head. You know, I owe his family Weirigal. This is the thing that happened. Can be considered honorable combat. Stabbing somebody to death because you don't like them in a back alley and leaving their body somewhere is murder. And murderers go to Niflheim. You are going to go be cold and miserable until the world ends. You are not going anywhere fun. You are right there with the Oathbreakers and everybody else. The thing that I, I come to when people ask me, do Nazis go to Valhalla? And I say, do you want to be carried with cannon fodder? Because from my perspective, it is not my do- my job to say who does or doesn't go to Valhalla. Mm-hmm. That is Odin's business. Yeah. Now, I will say, because there are Nazis in Valhalla, from my own experience, having fucking seen them, is that a place you want to fucking be? Because you get to die every single day fighting. Every single day. Until Ragnarok comes, you are dying at the end of somebody's spear, gun, sword, knife, whatever. Or somebody's hands, somebody's feet. You are dying every fucking day. Do Nazis go to Valhalla? Yes. They make excellent goddamn cannon fodder. Valhalla is not a place for people that we modern people think is honorable. It's for people who died in battle. And Odin takes anybody who's at least competent with a weapon. He doesn't get to choose the first slain. That's Freya's. That's his agreement with her. He gets whoever's left. It's it's touchy, but people will say, oh, well, you know, Nazis don't go to Valhalla. Okay. Let's say, for the sake of argument, they don't go to Valhalla. What qualifies half the people that you think are in Valhalla to go there? What is, it, what is honorable combat? Because if we were talking about honorable combat, half the motherfuckers that are supposed to be going to Valhalla aren't that, by our modern me- metric. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. That I, I feel very strongly about that. No, it's that. fine. I think the no, problem no. is like, entry to Valhalla gets really romanticized. It does, and it shouldn't be. Right. right. You're, you're dying what, bleeding out somewhere with a bullet well, or a spear. You know, technically, doesn't that mean, if I'm interpreting what you guys are saying correctly, um, you don't necessarily have to be an honorable or good person to go. You just have to have died an honorable death in battle. So that means a very small window where you could have been square up fair with the guy that you're fighting against. Right. Would that qualify? See, that's, that's the way I'm interpreting it. I could be wrong, but that's how I'm hearing it. I mean, this is, this is okay. So are snipers honorable or are they dishonorable? I'm more thinking that people are talking about people who commit, like, um, human rights crimes and saying, like, you know, things that are... I don't want to get too sure here in this conversation either, but um, people who are doing hate crimes qualify Mm -hmm. by merit of having done those things to go to Valhalla, and I find that very problematic. I'm not talking about people who are, like, involved in World War II. Yeah. Well, this is a great conversation to have because... You know, this is full on, you know, we all know it. We can all stare at that elephant in the room. This is one of the major issues within this particular part of of paganism. And it's something that probably could theoretically be addressed over and over and over again. It's never be enough. It's an absolutely huge bugbear. I won't won't deny it. Now, do neo-Nazis go to Valhalla? Again, I can't say for sure one way or the other because that decision is up to Odin. That's his hall. That's right. I don't believe so. And the reason is, is that fundamentally you are going against 
humanity. Mm-hmm. When you say that the gods deem these people unworthy, Odin didn't look at Oscar and Embla and say, wow, this tree is too brown. I'm going to throw it back till I find me a white tree. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I firmly think that neo-Nazis don't go to Valhalla. Now, I can't say that for certain because who knows? Maybe I'll show up there and maybe some motherfucker who is a neo-Nazi his whole life until he saved somebody's life is in there for some reason. I don't know. Like that's well, we have redemption arcs. I will give them them. Begrudgingly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be happy about it. I'm not his Valkyries. I'm not Othin. And that's just, it's not my job. At the end of the day, I think we need to, to have enough humility to say, one way or the other, my feelings might be this, but the reality may be different because that's up to Odin. Right. That's this, you know, and it's, it's not all that altogether, all that different from Loki because people will say, well, you know, like you said earlier, Nicole, um, well, you know, the dead ride with Loki. So don't you want to go to Valhalla and fight with Odin? Well, (laughs) keep in mind what happened to Loki and why he's, driving the uh, Nagelfaller, the ship mm-hmm. of nails. Right. Like, why is he doing that? Why would the dead willingly go along with him to go kill on the field? I mean, that's, that's a weighty question that nobody, I've never heard modern heathen dialogue about that. Why <laughs> would the dead willingly march with him? Right, because nobody wants to admit, unless you go to war and be, like, basically die a soldier, that that would indicate that you're going to fight for the Odinar anyway. So, that's a shitty topic, because nobody likes it. But, <laughs> like, you know, we're going to sit here and we're going to, like, beat your faces against the lore until we're black and blue and bruised. But you know, nobody wants to confront what the lore is saying about what happens after you die. If if you really want to die on that hill, and that's your point, is that you're you're there anyway, and you're there on the side that you are fighting against now. So what are you going to do about it? I think that there's something in the chat that actually I really want to pick up on and kind of put my own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Malik said, I think there's a distinction between dying in battle and just being a violent person. There's a huge mm-hmm. difference. Like a soldier is a soldier, but a street thug stomping children because of shit is a soldier. Mm-hmm. I will agree with that to a certain point because we have soldiers in our own armies and our own armed forces that have committed war crimes. There's a difference between a warrior and a soldier, a warrior and a fighter. There's a huge, big difference to me. So if you're asking about, you know, well, do warriors go to Valhalla? Maybe, but some, the, the best of warriors are going to die of old age. Right. Um, you know, it, I mean, Odin had to go and like many of the kings that are in Odin's halls. He had to figure out ways to get them there. Right. <laughs> People like, died about that. Right. Dragons and shit involved. It was bad. <laughs> but there's a, there's a big distinction to be made between warriors and soldiers. Not every soldier is a warrior. Not every soldier is a good soldier. Not every soldier is going to go to Valhalla on death. And there's actually, like, in the lore, there's written pieces where they were talking about, well, this old guy is about to die. If we spear him, we hope he goes to Valhalla. <laughs> we hope, asterisk. Keyword Exactly. Mm-hmm. We hope he goes to Valhalla. The thing that has been bothering me recently, and I've, I haven't confronted it at all because it's a very touchy subject, um, 
but the people that come forward and are saying um, Odin doesn't discriminate against the type of battle that you fought and lost against. So, you know, it, theoretically speaking, if you lost your battle to cancer, you're going to end up in Valhalla. And that's not at all true. Not even a little bit true. Like it says straight in the lore that Hela takes all those who died from illness. Cancer mm-hmm. is an illness. It's a disease. Right. And there's such a horrible connotation and understanding of Helheim that it just makes me sick to my stomach because yeah, there are bad aspects to Helheim, but that's where the fucking shitty people go. Hela always has a full plate for those who lived with honor and lived with respect and treat her with love and kindness. I've seen her halls. I've been there. And why the fuck would you wish that on a cancer victim? I wouldn't. I wouldn't send them to Valhalla. I would send them to hell. And not the H-E double hockey sticks hell either. I would send them to H-E-L. <laughs> because she will take care of them. Kind of turning this around and, and, and bringing Loki back into the picture. Um, so with your relationship with Loki and how it's unfolded, what are some some serious holes that you'd like to plug as far as communal understanding of, of Loki's, not even necessarily Loki's roles, but how we can better relate to Loki? I think that um, the firm, first and foremost thing that I've seen um, written about and argued about a lot is what is Loki a god of? And I think that in order to like really best understand his nature, um, and just like Odin, he has faucets of himself that preside over one thing more than the other, but I think looking at him from baseline as a trickster god, as the trickster of the Norse pantheon, gives you the best idea of what you're in for. He is the god that pulls all the loose cords together. He is the god that makes apparent what is broken or makes apparent what is wrong. He is the god that pushes the boundaries to make things better. Um, and better, I guess, is all the middle word because, you know, the things that he did did um, did make the Aesir better and stronger, but they were controversial and difficult um, in the way that they happened. Um, it's important to recognize that while pop culture is amazing, it can be a great bridge for exploring mythos that the characters we're seeing in fiction. Like, you have spoilers. I loved the way they depicted Mr. World in American Gods. Um, they also kicked out yeah. um, Orlando Jones, so I won't watch it anymore. But um, I was so mad. But... Um, it's important to remember that um, if you're going to work with a god who is a god, it's important that you first and foremost, before you start working with him, read all of his mythology. Like, if you're stuck home in quarantine right now, anyway, you just go on a bender. Um, you know, just you can get a lot of this stuff for free on sacredtext.com. You don't have to spend any money. You can go and you can just read all the lore, read. Read the Adas, read the Locatatur, read the Saxo Grammaticus, so you get can get like all the all the faucets of everything out there. I'm not saying that you have to believe that Loki had nothing to do with Baldur's death. I'm kind of ambivalent on it because I can see like ways in which the horses of events and how revenge was sought didn't make sense for him to really be involved. But also like 
where it does in the sense of like what happens after Ragnarok if you hold that Ragnarok is a literal thing. Um, read all the lore. Um, make sure that you're not idolizing um, a TV character. Um, I guess it's a complicated question. Um, he is, and I want to really reiterate, he is not just a party god. He is also a mad god. He is a god, if there is one, of mental illness. A god of navigating those difficult liminal spaces. He is a god of liminal spaces. Um, and the things that are between these are outside of society. Um, and navigating that. And so his road tends to be a hard one because it is always uncomfortable. But um, did we have any other questions that are more specific? Because it's it's such like a broad topic, it's really hard for me to narrow down, like, you know, what well, I like my okay so the reason i asked that question was because we talked a great deal in the last half hour or so about um misconceptions about valhalla and right. so like <laughs> about him yeah so my my question is more to the because we kind of run out of questions in the discord mm-hmm. um in your engagement and working with loki yeah <sighs> So we've got X and Y information from the lore. Right. It is a pain in the ass trying to get people to sit down and read the Lokotatu. Right. Because it's, well, it's from the what, 18th century, I think. Yeah, yeah. And people will go, oh, but that isn't the lore. And they have these really weird, arbitrary notions of what the lore is and isn't. So how, okay, so if a person is open but kind of close at the same time, how do you kind of work to correct some of the misconceptions about Loki? Beyond just read the stuff, um, if, if you had to say, hey, you know, Loki isn't everything that pop culture has made him out to be, which is, I think, a large part of what both of us are fighting when it comes to Othin and Loki. Right, and it's hard because you have both sides of it. You have the way that I grew up with getting to know him is that Loki is all bad and does all bad things, and people who work with him are bad by proxy and how to, how to get past that. And um, just understanding on the base thing that if you were going to, and, and this is true for most mythos, that um, and it's hard because I think most of us coming to paganism, if we are transitioning from one faith to another, um, are coming with this wanting to find that black and white worldview. We are programmed to want to go this side wears black hats and the side has white hats and the side is bad and the side is good and it's, it's everyone has like a label, you know, and it's like Westworld where you can tell if someone's good or bad by what kind of hat they're wearing, and it's not that's not how any of this works. Um, and so it's important just to keep in mind, even if, if you don't have the energy to go and read the Adas and read all the lore, that it's not that simple. And that um, in navigating that relationship, it's important to at least be aware that he is, he's not just a trickster and he's not just like a fun god. He's also the god that ends the world. He is, um, he's complicated. And he can be, as all gods can be, I, was, I like to borrow C.S. Lewis's quote that my gods are in they're not tame lions, but they are good. Um, and that, you know, the relationships with them can be hard. They can change your life. They can, this is, this is not going to be an easy ride. Um, and so make sure that you have your house in order. Do you have, you know, have good divination in place, have that community built up, um, be open to the idea that maybe everything bad that happens in your life, once you start working with him, might not be Loki's fault. Um, and that's a problem. I feel like people, um, People like saddle up for that bad community focus of him. That um, I'll hit the other side of those in a second. So I'm just talking in my head about that. 
that he ruins your life. I, th I think that it's part of like a self-fulfilling process, the, the whole thing about curses. That, well, if you think that you're cursed, you're going to end up cursing yourself. You're worried about being cursed and not be cursed anymore. Um, and so what happens is I think people tend to find anything that goes wrong. Like, you know, you've had a nail in your back tire that's losing air for the last year. The tire finally blows on the highway. And it was Loki's fault. Loki did it. Absolutely. <laughs> 110%. But um, you have the other side of this where um, he gets like really romanticized and like really um, like inappropriately sexualized. And he can be like a really sexual god, don't get me wrong. And that's like lots of people have that experience with him. But so I tell, I'm sorry for being vulgar. There are two things that cross over on how to be a good priest and how to be a good spirit worker. And it's the same rule on both sides. Don't put your dick in it. Like it's really that simple. Or, or the other way around, because <laughs> like you think it's simple, you will you will alleviate ninety five percent of the problems that you're going to run into in the community or in spiritual practice by not putting your dick in it or not letting it put its dick in you. That is, you know, the do all end all. Not really, but <laughs> it's a huge. I'm getting glared at by somebody else in my house right now. But it it really so the problem is is that. I kind of said before, when you get into spirit work, I, I encourage everybody, since you're stuck home and you have you have Amazon Prime or you have Netflix, I think it might still be on there, sit down and watch the movie Insidious. Like, it's one of those movies that I like to, like, point people to. And honestly, what happens is this kid is an actual, actually asked to project and he gets the attention of the wrong thing and really bad shit happens. So, like, when you wade into the vast spiritual ocean that is spirit work, you, it is not, spirits can lie. Gods can even lie. They're less, they're less inclined to, but, you know, they don't have to tell the truth to you. Um, spirits especially. And so it's really easy. If you're not doing your accounting, if you're not watching your butt, if you're finding something that's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever you want to do. And when you have sex with something, you drop your shields. And so you get things like possession. You get things like a whole bunch of gross and terrible nonsense. People are in too much of a hurry to want to have that spiritual connection. And I keep wanting to like research. I had written a blog post a long time ago that went viral about how possession become like this toxic fulcrum in the pagan community and all the damage it ends up doing. Because what happens is I think you have this mass craze for people who have discovered spiritual intimate experience. Not even talk about the ethnic or sexual sense, but in the sense that if you are developing a deep and devoted and fulfilling relationship with a higher power of some sort. And people hear about that and they want to live that. And so they will literally accept anything and do anything to think that they have found that. And if it's not without accountability, it's really easy to not be talking to who you think you're talking to. And really, really bad shit can happen. Do you think at least part of that has to... Coming from the ironically compassionate side of it, hmm. um, do you think that at least some of that has to do with a deep-seated spiritual hunger that either was missing or never fostered in previous religious relationships? Because people will talk about, oh, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, how? Yeah, it's probably absolutely true. And so you have... Um... Yeah, it's it's a really big culture drop, right? Because you have people like let's well, somebody coming from like part of Catholicism, where you're not supposed to read the Bible for yourself. And I'll tell you, if you, you go into Wicca, where you're taught that everybody is as everybody else, like you are your own priest. And how do you reconcile that? 
or if you are moving into a pagan faith and you have no community nearby you, um, or even worse, like, like toxic community nearby you, you're so like ready to reach for the first thing that you can attach to that helps fulfill that need. And it's really easy to make some really big mistakes. And so spiritual accounting, expect the gods to be dynamic creatures. They are not one facet. They're not going to be the party god or the war god or the love god all the time. And that you, you need to have accounting for like knowing and be, be willing to be wrong. That's a hard part for a lot of people is to say like, you know, I thought I had this crazy experience that happened to me, but it was actually in my own head. And that can suck. That can really, really suck. And actually you can have accounting to catch yourself in that. That's like really where the bad thing's happening. It's it's not, I think most people can, you know, have an intellectual sexual relationship with Tom Hiddleston in their free time. And it can be mostly innocent. The problem is when that person is somehow psychically sensitive and it's not all in their head anymore, but it's with something else that is also not Loki. And it becomes a problem. Or people who become predatory on that, like I mentioned the lady in Florida, so that's the other way to come and like let her use tech magic. I'm the phrasing that it would be Loki using her body to do that with other person. And you will encounter predators who will take advantage of that. So you, you can just avoid most of that by having just backup, having other people that you trust be like, hey, does this sound like it's a terrible idea to you? And navigating that. The problem is, is a lot of his... We don't have a lot of devotional practices, Loki, especially outlined in the lore. And so it makes it harder for people who do want to read to know where to come from. And just watching people hit the communities to talk about this, people are like, well, he wasn't worshipped, and so you're bad for wanting to do that. And then you also have to navigate that on top of everything else. That's kind of what I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> <not I don't think that technically counts as a rant, Mother Multiverse. That was that was pretty conversational. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not once did I think she wanted to set anything on fire. So, <laughs> well, that's really cool. Um, no, there was one thing in the chat room I wanted to. Where did that go? Shan made some really good points about the hell versus. Uh, uh, Asgard and just that people were trying to feel that their loved ones are in a better place and so that's you know a lot of times we have to come at it compassionately from that point of view which I understand um, oh there it was there's a question any odd aspects elements or techniques that you've seen Loki connecting to or teaching people that don't think about example Loki is a sailor Loki is dad mom etc oh I see okay so one thing that I have him teach me that's really not anywhere in his preview is like, he taught me how to do sin eating. And that was a really like not accounted for in the lore anywhere practice, but that he was just like spontaneously like he didn't know how to do this right now. Um and like was really engaging about that. So I do encounter like I have a friend who has like a parent child relationship with him. I obviously don't have that because that would be weird. But um he is <laughs> <laughs> I know that like when I talk to him, like he considers you know, he protects my kid like his my kid was his. Um, and a lot of people have a parental relationship with him in that sense. Um, Loki is sailor, not so much. But I do, you know, encounter him as Loki the father. Um, you know, Loki the husband of Angerboda. I tend to look at Angerboda better than I do Seagan, though I do work with them both. Um, but he is multifaceted, and so there's a lot of different aspects you can connect with him if you want to reach out and try to do that. It just depends, I think, on what what you're going to align with when you get into that space. 
Excellent. Well, before we wrap up, I feel like we've kind of covered a lot of territory here. So we're going to take a, a little bit of a left turn and tell people about Living Roots Creations and the videos that you make. Oh, so the Witchy Weed Project is um, something I started out because I noticed there was a problem in the community of people struggling to successfully ID plants and people making some bad decisions surrounding that. And even people who were reputable resources um, mis-IDing things that were dangerous to mis-ID. Like one herb guy that I liked on Tumblr who was no longer up anymore was really, really good, really informative, but cross bone set with white snake root, um, which white snake root is so toxic that if a cow eats it and you drink the milk, you will also die. Um, so I really wanted to, having a background in biology and botany, wanted to kind of put that resource to work for other people. And so every Wednesday, um, it's easier to do now that it's not freezing cold outside and you know, I'm locked inside doing quarantine anyway, so I'm supposed to go for a hike and talk about plants. Um, every Wednesday, I usually do a video identifying different plants um, in the region and talking about the spiritual properties and medicinal properties, how you can tell them apart from other things. And if you want to follow me on Patreon, I started to make an herb guide. Um, basically, the idea is I want it to be a living resource. We don't need any more botany books put together by botanists who think about things how botanists think about them because we want things to be available to the public and in a way that can be designed how it works for you. So that guide has, you know, basic ID characteristics. And I, I follow the patterns method of plant identification, meaning that I want you to look at a plant and see that, you know, its flowers are shaped like this. And that means it's probably a part of one of these three families. And it's much easier to get down to species successfully versus trying to flip through like, you know, Voss's botanical plants of Michigan for six and a half hours. Mm -hmm. Going, oh my God, I don't know what a calyx is. Please help me. Um, and so the idea is that you can take that book and categorize plants with their pattern of ID by either their family that they are a part of bot botanically or by their, med their medicinal um, properties or by their spiritual properties. And that way you can design this book in a way that works best for you now that works best for me or another person. Which is really cool. I like that idea because I know I've struggled with identifying things alone. Yeah, it's hard. Like botany is really hard. It really is. Because there's so many different subtleties. That's the main. Right. And, and the thing is, nature is evil. Not really, but nature's a bit. And so the, I always joke that if you, since you make a rule in botany, na nature takes a note to break it. And so <laughs> we talk about, like, you know, things that present this way but aren't and how you can tell. And it's just learning to kind of kind of decode things so you can name things better in a way that is safer and better for everybody than making leaping assumptions and being accidentally harmed by making bad choices. It's almost like nature is living. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. It doesn't conform to your expectations. <laughs> right? How dare you categorize things? Let me screw that up for you. Hang on. <laughs> right. Hold my beer. <laughs> Excellent. Well, no the, where can people find that? Um, you can go to patreon.com slash witchy weeds, or if you follow me as Living Roots Creations on Facebook, I post a new video every Wednesday, and you can follow me on there and watch the videos and learn more about the, the other stuff. Awesome. Excellent. Sarah, Caitlin, anything else you want to throw out there before we wrap up? I can't think of anything. That was a wash great conversation. Yeah, wash your wash hands. Wash your hands. Exactly. Wash your hands. Uh, the only thing I want to throw in there before we go, this will be the official shout out for our Patreon as well, Around Grandfather mm -hmm. Fire, and the shout out for our patron Kathleen, who jumped up 
three whole levels in order to go to a higher tier to help us out. So here's your shout out, Kathleen. Thank you so much. We really Thank you. And uh, we'll be back in about a week with another episode. We're starting to run in towards spring here. So thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight uh, around the fire. Thank you. Take off that dumb